0: Learn more at marines.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. With the third
1: pick in the 2018 NFL draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback USC. What should the Jets expect from you?
0: Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host, Joe, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of turnonthejets.com. In today's episode, we are joined by Corey Griffin, longtime friend of the pod. We're going to talk about our expectations for the New York Jets heading into the regular season. Uh, A few other thoughts on Sam Darnold and overall on the roster. Uh, Before we jump into that, I'm going to give some thoughts on the final 53 man as it's currently set when I'm recording this. Uh, And also remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by both Willie McBrides in Hoboken, New Jersey on 6th and Grand. We have another watch party upcoming on September 30th for Jets Jaguars. already have a big chunk of people who have RSVP'd, so we appreciate that. Come out, watch the game. Uh, watch us record our post-game podcast on September 30th at Willie McBride's on 6th and Grand in Hoboken. Uh, our podcast is also brought to you by Razorsport, dot com. Regular season is here. Before you put any action in, make sure to join the members section at Razor Sport. Dot com for all the must read gambling advice this football season r a z e r s p o r t dot com. all right before i jump into my uh, discussion with corey jet 's fifty three man roster as it stands now is locked i 'm recording this ten a m monday morning. Uh, they are. They do have a couple workouts scheduled for later today. Dan Bailey, who would be a nice upgraded kicker pending his health. Uh, they're also looking at Prashad Perriman, which I'm not overly excited about. I don't really see where he fits into the current receiver depth chart, but a former first rounder. So uh, something to monitor there. They also have a couple workouts at the edge position, which is not overly surprising considering their current depth chart. As it stands now, only three inside linebackers on the roster, only three outside linebackers. Neville Hewitt, the only backup. Brandon Copeland, the only backup on the outside. Um, you know, wh- One thing to remember here is that inside linebacker Kevin Pierre-Lewis will be back on the active roster after week one. So somebody else will go at a different position, as the Jets will carry four inside linebackers, unless they swap them for Hewitt, which I think would be somewhat surprising. Areas to watch for in that. They're currently carrying four tight ends. Seems to be a little bit of overkill. Also carrying four halfbacks with both Trenton Cannon and Eli McGuire on the roster. Eli McGuire is a potential candidate to watch for short-term IR depending on how his rehab's going. Leggett is also a guy who could maybe get moved to IR as he did get hurt in the end of the last preseason game. But the Jets clearly want to keep his rights in some capacity. Also at cornerback, they have seven right now. Kind of hard to argue the value in carrying seven corners. Uh, Not really sure what Justin Burris did to merit a roster spot right now. Also worth remembering that Rashad Robinson will be back after four games, and the Jets are likely to keep him around. Uh, So when he comes back, somebody at that position is likely to get knocked off. They're also currently carrying five safeties, which really isn't surprising because with how their defense is constructed, uh, I would really look for Jamal Adams and even a little bit of Terrence Brooks and potentially J.J. Wilcox to spend a lot of time down in the box is basically playing like a linebacker. So You know, my guess, and I tweeted this out, the Jets' internal logic is that they could go light at linebacker because Adams is going to spend so much time in the box playing basically like a linebacker, and the Jets will have a three-safety look with a guy like Brooks or Middleton on the back end paired with Marcus May. Still concerning because the Jets are going to be a little light up front. They already have some issues at inside linebacker, and, you know, I think when you take a step back and look at this roster— There's some things to be excited about, of course, particularly Sam Darnold and some of the skill positions, namely the the depth at receiver. Uh, I also like the group of running backs, but overall, uh, there's some major holes here. Uh, There's some questions on the offensive line, particularly when it comes to depth, and the linebacker group is, honestly, until proven otherwise, among the worst, if not the worst in the NFL. That being said, uh, the Jets' first part of the schedule— on paper, at least, is their softer part of the schedule? as they're going to open up with three straight teams who did not make the playoffs last year uh, before playing Jacksonville and then getting back into playing teams like Denver and Indianapolis? So um, I'll have my final predictions out for this season, but I do think later today or tomorrow, uh, but I do think the early part of the schedule could be friendly to a fairly fast start for this team if their defense could hold up the end of the, their end of the bargain. I actually think this could be the type of year where their offense – is actually better than their defense. I think there's more concerns right now on that side of the ball uh, than there is on the offense. So as it stands now, I think the Jets will make a couple more minor roster moves, maybe move a couple people around to either IR, the practice squad, maybe sign one or two players to flip out those bottom four or five spots. But really, the guys who are going to be active game day, you know, the 45 they'll have up, we we, we know who that is pretty much. That's pretty much set in stone. You know you're going to have Powell and Crowell at running back, Likely Lawrence Thomas at fullback. You'll have the four main receivers, although Jermaine Curse may miss week one, which would mean more playing time for Terrell Pryor, along with Robbie Anderson and Quincy Nuwa. Probably also means more chances for Neil Sterling in the passing game as he's really a glorified receiver at tight end. We know the starting offensive line. We have a good feel for the starting defensive line and who's going to be in that rotation with Nathan Shepard and Henry Anderson rotating opposite of Leonard Williams and Mike Pinnell rotating in with Steve McClendon. Uh, At linebacker, it's going to be Darren Lee, Avery Williamson, Jordan Jenkins. If the Jets do go to having two outside linebackers out there, Josh Martin would be the next guy up. And then at corner, when they're in their base nickel, you have Morris Claiborne, Tremaine Johnson, and Buster Screen with May and Adams. If they go to a three-safety look, we'll be interesting to see if they go to Brooks or Middleton first. Their top backup's at corner right now, probably Derek Jones uh, and Daryl Roberts as the roster is currently constructed, but we'll see how that plays out. Uh, We'll have another episode later this week, likely running on Thursday or Friday, which will be more focused on previewing week one against Detroit, where the Jets are currently six and a half point underdogs to start the season. And we are now joined by this week's guest, longtime friend of the pod, uh, at least his third or fourth or fifth time, maybe even on it, Corey Griffin. Corey, thank you for joining us. How are you doing this Labor Day weekend?
1: I'm doing just fine. And as always, I am grateful and appreciative that you continue to have me on despite uh, my many uh, mistakes and misgivings.
0: Listen, we're uh, we a forgiving bunch over here at Turn on the Jets. We're just, you know, we're looking to the forward. We're looking to the future, not the past. Let's talk about the Jets. Preseason over, thank God, after an insufferable game against the Eagles that was very challenging even for the biggest football fans among us to watch. Now that preseason is in the books, away from Sam Darnold, did you see anything in those four games that changed your overall expectations or perception around this team heading into the regular season.
1: It might be boring but no, but I think that's because I've been conditioned at least as as what is my term as a writer but also as a long-term Jets fan to try to look into things even in preseason realistically and not get too up or too down. Um, you know, there are moments and there are there are things, you know, that 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 certainly popped. Um, you know, some of the depth in the secondary looks exciting. But the holes that were there entering the preseason and entering training camp remain. uh, I'm not as freaked about offensive line simply because there were some injuries. Although obviously, you know if those injuries reoccur, remain they're in deep trouble. But you know the pass rush is the pass rush. Um, Nunez was hurt, so it's it's for most of the preseasons and training camp, so it's hard to evaluate him. Um, And then you know Anderson had some struggles, but I think he will overall be fine. Um, And then, you know, I I think overall they're they're probably looking at a a 4-6 to win season, maybe a high of 7 if if Darnold really delivers or, you know, certain players' surprise. Um, But I I think this is, you know, this is still a team in the middle of a rebuild without a lot of high-level talent or a lot of high-level depth.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with the general sentiment. There was nothing, you know, away from Darnold that – was overly shocking. I mean, we still have some concerns about the offensive line. We still have some concerns about this defense. I think there's always sort of this backed-in assumption that the Jets are going to have a pretty good defense, even though they really haven't for a while. And I do think there's a lot of holes in that unit still. Unfortunately, that being said, the AFC is kind of crap, and the first 10 weeks of the schedule look friendly enough on paper. I'm kind of getting the vibe that this feels like the kind of year where they start like, Four and four, or five and four, or five and five. And everyone gets very excited before a very tough stretch run kind of sets in the reality, and maybe they settle in a little under five hundred. I don't think it's out of the question to think they could be like Buffalo was last year and sneak in as like a very average six seed because the AFC is so bad. But seven and nine kind of feels about right to me. If they're in that seven and nine, or even like six and ten range, is that enough uh, to have Todd Bowles and most of this coaching st- staff back?
1: Uh, are you asking me as me, or are you asking me as Mike McCagnan?
0: You as well. I don't even know if Mike McCagnon has final say in that decision. I guess you was Mike McCagnan and Chris Johnson, as it stands right
1: now. Um, I, I think, I think probably not. I, I think Todd Bowles. I, I think the the writing is probably on the wall that um, if you're investing in a young quarterback, given today's NFL trends, you're probably investing and a quarterback uh, friendly coach. And I don't think Todd Bowles is that he hasn't done anything. You know, like I, I don't think he's been a disaster in, in the general sense. I, I I'm, I'm plenty difficult and pl- or plenty hard on him overall. Um, I do not think he is one of the worst coaches in franchise history. I just think he's nothing special. And I think he is kind of whatever pieces you give him. And I don't think that he's shown enough to elevate the roster that he has. So if he's a 6-10, and 7-9 season, you know, I think even 8-8, eight and eight, I think there's probably enough runway after, what, five years of not his entire career not making the playoffs um, to move on.
0: Yeah, there's actually an interesting article that came out today from our, our friend uh, Dom Cosentino. That's been a very long, winded interview with Pepper Johnson, and I think we have to take some of this with a grain of salt, knowing that. Really, throughout the interview, Johnson seems to blame all his issues on everybody but himself. And also, he's been fired recently by the Jets, so he certainly has an axe to grind. But definitely some concerning things in there about how the Jets go about running their defense and a lack of communication. And also some interesting things on Muhammad Wilkerson and Leonard Williams. So I definitely recommend Jet fans give that a read. And I think Bowles, like, I I don't know. Like, I I agree. I think he's been okay to below average, probably like a C-minus Ish. I think he's been about as good as McCagnan, but now now McCagney has went and got Darnold and handled this quarterback situation pretty damn well, so he has that. Whereas Bulls needs to show some type of improvement. I mean, you look, special teams have been a mess. They've been cycling through coordinators. Defensive coordinator is Casey Rogers, and this kind of feels like a... A, an old-school Rex Ryan situation where Todd Ball's basically hired his buddy and he's keeping him having his job because this is his buddy. And I don't know what Casey Rogers has done to distinguish himself with uh, with the Jets over the past few years. It feels like this unit has been generally disappointing. So I think how that decision is made is ultimately going to you know depend on can Bowles improve his game management at all, which has really not been good, and can his defense make some strides. And when we talk about this defense making strides, it, I feel like it kind of comes down to – Three main players, I guess. Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams, and Darren Lee. And what kind of strides they're going to take this year. Where do you stand on what those three guys are as NFL players? Because it's a very sensitive subject among Jet fans. And any type of criticism, at least of the first two, is taken very harshly.
1: Um, I, I think all the criticism is fair. I, I'm just, you know, like. I think specifically of, of Leo and Darren Lee, you know, like you said it, I think multiple people have said it. If you're a top six pick and, and you know, you're expected to beat double teams. You just are like, you're not expected to make an entire defense, a top five defense on your own, but, You are expected to be double teams, and the the, the thing of, well, he doesn't have two other first-round picks around him, so what do you want him to do? And it's just excuses. Like At some point, if you're one of the best defensive players or supposed to be one of the best young defensive players in the draft class, you're supposed to make a difference. Um, Aaron Donald is an interior rusher, and he routinely beats double teams, and now he's the highest-paid defensive player in NFL history. Um, so position doesn't really matter if you're a difference maker and I'm not saying Leo has to be, uh, Aaron Donald to be special, but like, he's gotta be better than he has been. And and I don't think it's fair. Like, well, you he doesn't have an edge rush. Darren Donald doesn't really have an edge rush either. So I think that argument doesn't really hold water for me. Um, Darren Lee, I think he's playing the, uh, you know, the long running joke. I always say the long running joke about, uh, about Ben Simmons is, is that he shoots at the wrong hand. I think Darren Lee plays the wrong position. Uh, I think he's an off-ball linebacker in a 4-3 defense. I I think he's undersized for the position that he's in. I I think his coverage ability is lacking. Um, I think he's probably best, you know, situationally rushing the passer and kind of playing that role. Um, But then again, he's not exactly a a great edge rusher either. So he's kind of this weird in-between linebacker that doesn't have a ton of strengths in any particular area, but more so just kind of is okay in a bunch of different ones. And for a first-round pick... Um, that's, that's not ideal. And, and, you know, the, the big, big, my big problem with McKagan, um, overall is, is, you know, outside of his mid rounds, which have not been good. You know, his first round picks have been middling at best, you know, at maybe above average Jamal, uh, Jamal Adams had a, had a solid rookie year, but my larger problem is he's addressing positions that are not premium positions. Um, to this year was the first year where he addressed a premium position. Uh, he's not addressing edge rusher. He hasn't addressed offensive line. He took four years to really address quarterback. Um, he's kind of piecemealed it at wide receiver and running back. Um, cornerback has been a free agent thing and not necessarily a drafting. So, I mean, at some point you have to address some people who rush the passer, protect the passer. And pick the passer off, or get passes for or or receive from the passer. You know, like and he hasn't really done that in the premium rounds, and that's a concern for me.
0: Yeah, I think it's a it's a very fair criticism, and I think with Lee, like, I, I somebody had tweeted this today, but he was kind of drafted when he was first taken. Everyone thought he was going to be this sort of linebacker safety switchblade hybrid who moves all over the place, and the Jets basically just plopped him in an inside linebacker like a David Harris replacement, and it just. Yeah, and he's not yeah. that. It just doesn't work. And then the ironic thing is that the year after they drafted basically a better version of that in Jamal Adams who really is kind of more of like a safety linebacker hybrid although he could bounce a little bit to slot corner, but he's like the better switchblade version of what you were hoping to get with Darren Lee. And you know, we got to see, you know, with Lee I'm not I'm not sold anything, but a, you know, barely average starter at best. With Adams, I think I'm curious to see how the new rules and how the game's officiated potentially impacts him, but I do think he is athletic enough to be a consistently above-average starter. I just don't know if he's going to be the generational player that some people build him to be before the draft. Could be. Hope you know. I'm hope I'm wrong, but um, might just plateau as kind of an above-average starter, which is fine. I mean, you need above-average starters to you know be a good defense. Let's uh, you know we've went through our our regular sort of. uh, pragmatism or pessimism, however you want to frame it. Let's uh let's gush a little bit about Sam Darnold. How how excited are yeah. you from what from what you saw about Sam Darnold? Because I, despite only being thirty one, am fairly jaded and don't overreact and get overly excited about things. I'm pretty damn excited about Sam Darnold. I think the Jets got I think they got one here. I, am I wrong?
1: No, you're not wrong. I mean well we could all we could all be wrong, right? Like we could all be wrong. We'll find out in and- in In three years, but no i don 't think you 're wrong um it 's the little things he does, and it 's the little things that guys like Dan Orlovsky and Company are calling out in little videos right and you you as well um you know recognizing you know seeing two two defenders in one zone right um or in one like vision like one, one area of the field, um, recognizing when to hit your third read versus your first read, not just dumping it off, moving within the pocket, knowing when to throw it away, making checks at the line like He's just an extremely advanced quarterback, which is a really weird thing to say for someone whose main main criticism was that he's super he's fairly raw and he's only 20 he's the youngest quarterback or starting quarterback in NFL history. Um he, he's a very talented, very special player and you know this is without really getting into those fourth quarter situations that you saw at USC where, you know, he would uh, drive the team, down, you know, commit a 2-2 two, two stupid turnovers. To, to ruin or to put them in a bad position, but then take them on this miracle run at the end to completely change the game, right? And, and make these ridiculous, like, jump passes or move and dodge four guys at once and, and all that. So I, I think he's a really, really special talent. I, I think he's going to be a tremendous jet for a long time, and I think he's probably going to save Mike McKegman's job.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think it comes down to being... You know, that that's simple. Like if, if Darnold is really good, then everything else is gonna kinda of fall by the wayside and you gotta hope that just going forward McCagnon is smart with the available Jets money and smart with the available Jets draft picks uh to build around him appropriately. I mean in terms of a rookie season with Darnold, I don't know, in terms of statistically What are sort of reasonable baseline expectations? I'm trying to come up with the numbers in my head before I put down my final predictions for the season. I feel like he's a guy that probably settles somewhere in between like 22 and 24 touchdowns, maybe with 12 to 13 interceptions, and somewhere in the mid-3000s for yards. Now, that might be a little ambitious. I'm not sure, but I just feel like this offense might be... Okay, if they stay healthy on the offensive line, because I do like the skill positions more than most. Uh, what what kind of lo- stat line are you roughly looking for from him this year?
1: I think we're probably looking at between thirty five to four, 4 3, to four thirty five hundred to four thousand yards. You know, it depends on how much they run the ball. If the run blocking is a disaster and Darnold. You know, has to just get the ball out and dump a ball off a, a ton. Then I think that'll that'll amplify some rushing totals. Um, I I am more pessimistic than you are in terms of touchdown and interception totals, and that's just because of his history, uh, specifically last year at, at USC, and also um, because rookies make dumb mistakes like they just do. He'll learn from them because I think he's a smart and advanced quarterback, but he's gonna make mistakes. So I, I think it'll probably be closer to a one to one ratio in terms of touchdowns and interceptions. I don't think it'll be necessarily exact, but let's put it this way. It wouldn't surprise me if the ratio was reversed the other way. And I wouldn't necessarily react negatively because it's all about how he learns from it and how he advances from it. So I think, I think you're probably looking at like a 62 to 64% completion percentage, um, probably about 3,700 yards and, you know, maybe like 25 touchdowns, 22 interceptions, or maybe reverse, maybe 22 touchdowns, 25 interceptions, something like that. He's a guy who's going to take chances, and, you know, given the way the playmakers are, he's going to throw deep a ton to guys like Anderson and Pryor and, and hopefully Inunua. Um, That's going to lead to mistakes, and that's okay. Those will be growing points, but I, I think it'll be an overall exciting year that maybe the numbers don't tell the whole story.
0: All right, final two questions before we let you go. Away from Darnold in the quarterback position, who do you think – is going to be the best offensive player and defensive player for this team this year. I don't. I think offense is a little more of an interesting discussion, whether a guy like Crowell ends up being better than expected and more involved in the passing game, which he seemed to be in the preseason, whether it just defaults to being Bilal Powell or Robbie Anderson, who were probably the two best guys last year, or does Quincy and Nuah come back and uh, kind of take over as the lead receiver defensively. Kind of feels like it has to be Leonard Williams or Jamal Adams, or else something is wrong, uh but is there anybody else that we're forgetting?
1: No a uh, defense no it, it, I mean unless we're gonna get a season from Darren Lee that makes him the second coming of Brian shazier um or or you know the the new version of Tyrone on like i I would be surprised if it's anyone other than Leo or Adams, and that's just where the defense is at this point. um you know there's no really avoiding it. that's the talent they have um you know it's possible that it could be Tremaine Johnson but it it probably will be one of those two young guys um on on offense i'm going to say the name that you already said that you've been pushing all season it's Quincy Nwonwa and you know that might be my my biased take but uh, the guy is a physical monster he he is uh, he is the guy that came out of nebraska with all the physical tools that you wanted in terms of the size the strength the speed um the agility And he has spent the last few years learning the route running, working on his hands, perfecting his craft. And you've seen, you've seen him basically attack a different weakness every single year, every single off season, like last year um, or two years ago, it was the, um, it was high pointing the ball. You, know, you saw him being able to attack the ball at the catch point point. Um, and, and I think that he's really, you know, the, the neck injury really let us uh, let us down and they're, you know, obviously let him down and, and kind of uh, helped, hindered his development but assuming he's healthy, I, I think he's going to be an absolute nightmare for defenses, uh, especially with a guy like Darnold who can hit him underneath and put the ball in positions where he can run after the catch.
0: All right, Corey Griffin, as always, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend and I'm sure we're going to tap you at some point in a few weeks, whether it's for this podcast, one of Scott's 17 podcasts, or one of the other podcasts we're doing across our network.
1: I would be happy to be on any Turn on the Jets podcast. I appreciate the time, Joe. Have a great weekend yourself.
0: All right. Thanks, Corey.